It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Harris Faulkner. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Janice Dean. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, July 18th, 2022. I'm Mike Emanuel. President Biden is back from the Middle East, including a complicated foreign policy visit to Saudi Arabia. Texas Republican Congressman Jody Arrington says with fuel prices soaring, the president failed to deliver. It's just more projecting weakness on the world stage. And it certainly undermines our leadership in the world. I'm Chris Foster. Celebrity chef and restaurant owner David Burke says inflation is affecting business and some customers' dining habits. Might be no dessert. Maybe they're splitting an appetizer or not having appetizers. Uh, I think people still want to go out, but they're just not going to go out and drop 150 bucks. And I'm Tommy Lahren. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Gasoline prices have dropped from a national average of $5 per gallon a month ago. But there's a long way to go to return to $3.17 a gallon on average one year ago. That was a big reason why many Americans were watching President Biden's visit to Saudi Arabia very carefully. Saudi Arabia has taken a lot of heat for the kingdom's human rights record and for the brutal murder of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. Florida Republican Congressman Michael Waltz says sometimes the U.S. must engage with these kind of regimes. This is an 80-year uh, relationship with the Saudis. It's not perfect. They are not perfect by any means, but we have to maintain uh, that relationship. As you said in your lead-in, the Russians and Chinese are absolutely happy uh, to fill the void. Closer to home, the U.S. southern border is seeing record numbers of migrants crossing. This fiscal year, Customs and Border Protection reports 1,746,119 migrant encounters and counting. That's higher than fiscal year 2021, and there are two and a half months left before the end of this fiscal year. North Dakota Republican Senator John Hoven spoke about the complexity of the border crisis. It's the drugs, it's the human trafficking, but it's the crime in our cities. Then that's exacerbated, uh, you know, by these sanctuary cities and by the defunding the police. And all these things mean that Americans aren't, aren't safe in their communities. So th these policies have to be changed. There's also the issue that has been hurting Americans for months now, inflation. Former economic advisor to President Trump, Stephen Moore, says it's become a full-blown crisis. A lot of middle and lower income Americans have to run up their credit card bills to pay their bills. A lot of people are having to cut back on their essentials because they just can't afford these higher prices. It's a real crisis. As for the president's trip to Saudi Arabia to ease pain at the pump, Texas Republican Congressman Jody Arrington says Mr. Biden projected weakness. I think he's coming home with less confidence of the American people in the fact that he's disconnected, begging these uh, oligarchs in the Middle East for their oil when we sit on an ocean of fossil energy in the United States. Jody Arrington is a Republican congressman from energy-rich West Texas. It's just more projecting weakness on the world stage. And it certainly undermines our leadership in the world. 
And uh, I think it's just downright depressing for Americans who are paying the highest price at the pump ever. And it's just another one of his self-inflicted crises. We don't have to be where we are. He doesn't have to be over there pleading with the crown prince and the Saudis for their oil. So it is uh, further gets away at the confidence. You know, small businesses right now who are being threatened with a $400 billion tax. This is coming out of the Biden administration and the Democrat-controlled Congress. They have the lowest confidence in the outlook on our economy in 48 years. So it's, um, it's bad, and it's going from bad to worse every time uh, Biden takes a trip. Um, and this one is no different. It seems pretty clear the White House staff did not want a photo op of the President of the United States shaking hands with Saudi leadership. So they did the fist bump, and now that's being panned. What do you make of all of that? It's just that uh, Biden is all hat and no cattle. I mean, this he talked tough about getting control of COVID and criticized President Trump, who did a great job, put us in a position to, to recover before our economy and job creators were pummeled with terrible policies, namely overstimulating uh, demand and crushing supply with regulations. And then he talks about being tough on um, the crown prince for their, quote, humanitarian violations. And then he gets warm and fuzzy. If he was serious about humanitarian issues, he would deal with the greatest humanitarian crisis I think in the probably in the world, but certainly here at home, which is our southern border. But he hasn't even made a trip to the southern border, let alone make mention of it in press statements. And he certainly hasn't marshaled his resources behind his quote, borders are Kamala Harris to do anything about it. So the guy just doesn't have a lot of credibility. And again, that just continues to get worse as he opens his mouth and takes trips around the world. Well, let's get into the border crisis in this country. Customs and Border Protection for June reveals more than 200,000 encounters with illegal migrants pouring across the border and a record number of terrorist sightings as someone representing the great state of Texas. How alarming is that for you and your constituents? Well, we're on the front lines and it's overwhelming. It is the greatest security threat to Americans. This president has not only not done anything about it, he's created it. He's he's encouraged vulnerable people to take a dangerous journey and to be exploited and assaulted all along the way. He's he has surrendered control of our border to the drug cartels. He's failed to faithfully execute the laws of the land, which is his sacred oath, failed to provide a common defense. This is a terrible crisis that is threatening the safety and security, namely of the border states. But every state has become a border state in the sense that his policy is catch and release, and he's busing and flying these folks all over the country. We don't know who they are, what their criminal background is, what their intentions are. But, uh, if you look at just the drugs alone, Mike, and the 100,000-plus deaths of Americans by overdose, which is the leading cause of death for, for people aged 18 to 45 in this country, mm-hmm. uh, this is an invasion. The Constitution clearly articulates 
that the federal government's obligation to each and every state is to protect it against invasion. And Article 1, Section 10 says when it doesn't happen, and the feds fail to do that, the states have the sovereign right to defend themselves and to protect their citizens and protect their sovereignty. And that's what uh, we're seeing out of Governor Abbott. We need to see more from not only our state leaders in Texas, but all along the border. Otherwise, we're going to see exponential increases in drugs, crime, gang, and, and the criminal elements that are pouring into our country. U.S. border authorities have processed more than 1.7 million migrants so far in fiscal year 2022, ahead of the full fiscal year 2021. And it strikes me there's still two and a half months left in the fiscal year. Yeah, it is unabated. This president is undeterred. And we're going to continue to see unmitigated disaster unless the states, Mike, exercise their constitutional right of self-defense. And again, that is as plain and explicit as any provision in the Constitution. I have a, a resolution in the House whereby members from 27 states, 70 members have signed on to it. And uh, this is just one of those things where we can't sustain two more years of this, and uh, we have the authority to stop it. And we have to have more courage by our, our state officials along the border states to lean into it because we've got to have the numbers change. The outcome has to be radically different than what we're experiencing today because Texas will not be Texas in two more years if it continues in the current state. Let me ask you this. Obviously, there's great hope on the Republican side of the aisle about taking back the majority in November. Would a Republican-led Congress be able to do serious oversight on issues like the border and perhaps force the Biden administration to change policies sooner rather than waiting for the next presidential election? No doubt central to a Republican majority agenda in the House will be oversight. I mean, we've been four years without real oversight, and there's a, a litany of serious issues that need legitimate scrutiny. We can also use the power of the purse and use that to leverage resources, and sadly enough, leverage some push to this president who has denied court orders and failed to comply with congressional mandates to build a wall, for example. So, yeah, that's certainly going to be a, a big tool and a central piece of our agenda. But I don't know that that's going to solve it. That's why I've been putting so much emphasis on on states sovereign power to defend itself and pushing our state and local leaders to to do their part, because I just don't see this president changing his posture on this disastrous border situation that he's created. As a member of the House Ways and Means Committee and the Joint Economic Committee, let's talk pocketbook issues. Inflation hitting 9.1% in June. Devastating when people go to the gasoline station, when they go to the grocery store. Uh, what's your message on inflation right now? My message, Mike, is policies have consequences. They're, we're learning a couple of lessons again in this country. One is the law of economics 
and supply and demand. When you tax and regulate something, you get less of it. When you get less of it vis-a-vis demand, and as demand grows, and as you artificially overstimulate demand, you get a widening gap and you get an ever-increasing cost that is just pummeling working Americans. I mean, the most regressive tax there is is inflation. And the president said a year ago that it was transitory, that we would just it'd get up, get back down, we'd be well on our way. I mean, it's not just food and gas and other household necessities. Look at the home prices. $100,000 an increase since President Biden took office. Again, when you're flooding the market with federal monies like they did with the $2 trillion quote-unquote COVID relief, and when you threaten small businesses with $400 billion in taxes, more spending on account of a climate crisis. I can tell you this, Mike, in West Texas, if you took a poll, climate crisis wouldn't even make the top 10 list because these folks are just trying to get on their feet if they're a small business. They're just trying to make ends meet mm-hmm. if they've got a family and they're living paycheck to paycheck like seven out of 10 Americans are. So this president has created not only a disaster at the border, but he has sown the seeds of horrible economic policies and the whirlwind is being reaped by Americans from coast to coast, especially poor working Americans that are getting hit with the most regressive tax there is and at a 40-year high of inflation. And it doesn't seem to be going any, anywhere soon, especially under this administration. Congressman Jody Arrington of the great state of Texas, thank you so much for your time. Have a great week, sir. Thank you, Mike. God bless. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. This is Tommy Lahren with your Fox News commentary coming up. The restaurant and bar business is booming compared to the first six months of last year, with sales up 21%, according to the latest retail sales report from the Census Department. Now, Some of that extra spending, though, is due to higher prices, and that has some potential customers eating at home more. Denise Stipes at a diner in Deland, Florida, telling Fox Business... I used to come twice a week, sometimes three times a week. Now I come once every other week. David Rand owns Doug and Lil's Potato Patch Restaurant and says he's trying not to pass higher costs on to customers. And the labor also is a big issue. Um, I did one, one price increase about a year ago. I'm trying to not do another one. Uh, things are not coming down. They're getting actually worse. People are still going to David Burke's restaurants, he says, but maybe not ordering as much or the same things they used to. He's an award-winning chef and restaurant owner. You know, I mean, listen, we just got out of a pandemic. We thought this summer was going to be, you know... The Roaring Twenties, you know, and it's not. David Burke has 18 places open now, mostly in New York and New Jersey. I mean, it's busy. We have busy restaurants. They're holding, uh, they're doing well, but it's not gangbusters the way I would imagine most people were thinking. The cost of doing business, very high. The labor's high. The labor's coming down a little because people are back to work. Not like being held hostage uh, during the pandemic, but the food prices are extremely high. Yeah. Yeah. 
sticking with customers for a minute, are people so the traffic is good, but are people changing their behavior a little bit? Like maybe no appetizer, maybe no dessert, maybe you know, maybe not two cocktails. Yeah, yes, it's uh, it's certainly that way. You're right. It might be maybe no dessert. Maybe they're splitting up uh, an appetizer or not having appetizers. Uh, I think people still want to go out. They're just not going to go out and drop 150 bucks for dinner when they can spend 100, or maybe they'll spend 60 instead of spending 80. That I think we see that, especially the bartenders. They're seeing that. I, I think you, you, people are cautious I'm, and all, all, all types of people, whether you're wealthy or not, there's a, a sense of caution in the air. A friend of mine owns a marina and he's, you know, if you got a boat, you usually have money. And he says people are not fueling up and they're not going out. Wow. And he goes, it's more than 50 percent down from last year. Yeah. And again, yeah, you're right. Presumably, if you can afford to eat at. I mean, some of your restaurants are pretty reasonable, but some are less yeah. so. And uh, you can you would think that people that can eat at a high end restaurant or have a boat and are going to fill up at a marina are going to fill up at a marina if they if they want to. Um, have you talked to people yeah. that maybe aren't as diversified as you, uh, maybe more mom and pop types? Are, are they getting hit harder? You have the advantage of being able to, I assume, uh, order further in advance, maybe have more storage space. Uh, but if you own if you own a little place, you're a little bit stuck. We have buying power. We buy for eight restaurants at a time in Jersey. So we have one central buyer. He goes to our meat guy and our fish guy and our produce guy and says, listen, you want the whole, you want, if you want the big order, you got to give me a better price. So that's why we can maintain some of our costs. And we don't have to raise our prices like some of the prices I've seen. I've seen some <laughs> prices, Ray. You know, some people, hey, you can raise prices. And people aren't going to say anything at the moment. But when they get their bill, they think twice. Uh, you know, when they open their statement, you know, they start thinking, man, that place is expensive, you know. So um, I think that happy hour, you know, is a good indicator. When happy hour starts to get really busy, people are going out for happy hour. And you see a lot of the mom and pops all of a sudden bring happy hour is coming back strong now. Oh, that's, because a, that's this, interesting. This is the time for bargains. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed a difference and your most and least profitable items has that changed due to due to food costs or 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 the uh, the labor intense the labor intensity of a certain dish? Have you noticed that things that you used to make more or less money on it has changed at all? You know, we 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 change. Uh, you know, we we price things by popularity too, not necessarily how, what we make on a menu. Right. If I'm selling thirty, if I'm, if, if the number one item in my menu. Is selling. I raise the price and I lower the price of the least selling item. So there's a balance in the menu, but I make more money. If, if there's a demand for a Caesar salad and it's a great Caesar salad and I can charge 20 bucks instead of 18, I'm going to do it. And if I have a, a duck dish that's I like, but it's not that popular, I'll raise, the, I'll lower that two bucks because it doesn't, I'm going to sell 30. If I get an extra two bucks on the Caesar, that gives me 60 bucks a night. And if I'm losing two bucks on the four ducks, I'm losing eight. But it still has, you still have a balanced menu from a pricing standpoint because that Caesar salad is not cheap either. And, and, and you gotta be able to, you gotta, you listen, if you don't make money, you're not business. Going back, what, 30, 35 years when you were, you know, a hot new thing uh, as a chef, and then eventually you became more of a businessman. How did that transition? How is it different? Do you still like to do you still like to cook? Do you still like to experiment in the kitchen? And did you just find at some point you had a head for business? Um, I certainly like the creative process, and I like the energy of the kitchen, and it's my comfort spot, even though it's chaotic. You know, um, so I do like to be in there, but I can't 
be in, you know, I have several restaurants. So I, in order to be in, uh, you know, so I'm in like eight different bands. Yeah. So I can't have a lead role. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like the light guy now. <laughs> I'm, not the, I'm not the singer or the lead guitar player. You know, I'm like, you know, I come in and adjust the sound and leave, you know. So, uh, so that's enjoyable too. And I also get involved in the design element of the restaurant, which I happen to like. But I am the overall editor of every menu. So my team and I, Carmine, have another chef partner. We edit the menus and we advise. And it's interesting because I interviewed a guy the other day who said to me, he goes, I'd love to work for you, but I want it to be my food. And I said, well, then you're not going to work for me. I said, because it's going to be our food. And because people aren't going to a David Burke restaurant to eat Joe Smith's food. So we worked together, but it was a great, it was great that he brought it up. We had a good dialogue because I like his ambition. I said, when I said, I want it to be all your food because you're the one that's, it's your prime now, not mine. Right. You should be breaking into new things. You should be teaching your staff, but I have to approve it because that's how business works. Well, speaking of like a David Burke restaurant, it's a, you're all over the place. I mean, you've got a new bakery open up. You've got a seafood place. You've got a, you've got Italian. You've got, um, you know, on and on and on. Uh, it's, it's very it's very diverse. Um, is that because is that just to d- diversify the business or because you want to just try a little bit of everything out? Well, I think when you look at it, it has to do with competing with myself and also locations and being able to have a portfolio of four or five different concepts so that if you wanted to go to another county, you could bring each concept without sabotaging yourself. And some of them are different price points. Red Horse is Red Horse happens to be a steakhouse that has a little bit of an Asian twist. The bakery, on the other hand, we bought that for a various business reasons. One, to, to be able to produce for ourselves and create somewhat of a commissary and, uh, and to try our hand at that. Um, the, I think the high, high-end restaurants, in, when you go, come out to the suburbs, we, you know, I was very surprised at how much money people were spending in certain zip codes high end, but I think there'll be a readjustment with that, with a recession that we're going to be in, either we're in or entering, depending on what news channel you listen to. And that you, you're always, it's always better to be, keep your pricing a little bit to the advantage. You don't want people to come in and say, my God, it's more, it's the most expensive restaurant in town. You want to be a, you want to be known as a, you know, maybe it's a high end restaurant, but, but an expensive, but the value has to be there. You, it's like a car. Yeah, you know, right. you're willing to pay for a good car if you know it's got if the brand is trusted. Uh, you actually, while while a lot of places were were shutting down during uh, during the worst days of the pandemic, you were opening places. Was that just were you just a zigzag business decision where where you could get into real estate better, or or was that just a coincidence, or what? Well. No, well, fear was a motivator. And, uh, you know, I think that you know, we, we lost our, our we shut down our New York City stuff and we were uh, we had a couple of deals in the pipeline. So and I had we had some money in the bank, so I didn't lay off the corporate team and we just went at it. I said, let's go. I said, eventually, this, I just let's, I kept believing this was going to last a month, another month, another month. So I wasn't waiting. And luckily, we didn't pause. And we got ambitious and uh, we and I said, even even we opened restaurants and made no money for a year during the pandemic and operated them. And we didn't pay rent and we didn't take any fees or we. But I knew once the dust, dust settled, this it was like spring training. 
And then once the economy comes back and the pandemic's over, we're poised for success. And that's exactly what happened. Well, listeners, go to chefdavidburke.com slash events. You can see everything happening at all of David's restaurants and all on New York City Restaurant Week. Uh, starting today, July 18th, David Burke Tavern, you, uh, lunch and dinner. What's going on there? What's your specials? We do a nice job on restaurant week because our whole menu is available. A couple of the items have an additional three to five or seven or ten bucks added. But instead of having a small menu with two appetizers and two main courses to choose from, we give you like eight or nine. And the, the more expensive items have a little supplement. But we enjoy restaurant week. And I've been doing I'm actually on the committee for restaurant week. I'm one of the co-chairs. So Monday's kickoff. And that's uh, the 30th year. Well, yeah, I'm getting old. I was at the first one in 1992 on Park Ave, uh, at the Park Avenue Cafe. And uh, so I'm excited. I happen to like Restaurant Week. And if you do it well, you, you, you have the opportunity to meet new customers. The staff, uh, you know, it's a, it's usually in two of the quieter times, like the summer in the city right now. And uh, it's also, I guess it's in the, in the winter, too. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I, I'm, thank you for mentioning that. Well, David, I'm starving now, so I'm going to let you go. Uh, once again, ChefDavidBurke.com. You can uh, learn more about David's restaurants. Good to talk to you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Here's a look at the week ahead. Monday. Former Trump advisor Steve Bannon is set to go on trial on a contempt of Congress charge. He's refused to appear before the House panel investigating the January 6th violence at the U.S. Capitol. Also on Monday, General Motors is set to unveil its latest electric vehicle, the 2024 Chevrolet Blazer EVSS. The automaker hopes to sell 1 million electric vehicles a year by 2025. Tuesday. Maryland holds its statewide primary as we approach the November midterm elections. Four Republicans, as well as nine Democrats, hope to win their party's nod to advance to the fall balloting to take the state's highest office. Also on Tuesday, Russian President Vladimir Putin is set to travel to Tehran to meet with his counterparts from Iran and Turkey to discuss peace proposals for Syria. U.S. officials say Iran is expected to supply Russia with drones to help in its invasion of Ukraine. Saturday. Shark Week begins on the Discovery Channel. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it on demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Top What's on your mind? A new Arizona law prohibits bystanders from filming police from eight feet or closer. And of course, the social justice warriors are all in a tizzy. Arizona's new law limits bystanders from filming officers from eight feet or closer without the officer's permission. The penalty for breaking that barrier is a simple misdemeanor and fine. But many on the left are still up in arms about it because, as usual, they don't understand why shoving a phone in the face of an officer during an active crime scene or arrest is dangerous for everyone involved. These film crew wannabes can still 
film to their heart's content. They just have to stay eight feet back. And the subjects of the interaction are allowed to film so long as they aren't being actively searched or arrested at the time. It's hard enough to be an officer these days without agitators and social media vigilantes bum-rushing police on the scene. This law isn't designed to keep the public in the dark or to hide police activity. It's designed to keep the area incident bystanders, officers, and even suspects safe. I'm Tommy Lahren, and you can listen to all of my hot takes at foxnewscommentary.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.